0: Welcome everybody to Trino Community Broadcast number forty-five. We're we're rounding up on that uh, fifty number here shortly, and uh, today we have uh, a special set of guests uh, here. But first, I'll, before I uh, hop on to them, I will uh, first introduce my uh, my partner in crime, Cole Bowden. Uh, how's it going, Cole?
1: Hello, glad to be here. This is the first community broadcast I've been on in a little while. So Happy yeah, I know
0: all. where 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 were you, man? <laughs> Were you like, uh, ducking out or were you sick or what was going on?
1: There was one where I had the flu. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah.
2: Happens.
0: it does happen. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's that time of year where it's like, you know, you get with a bunch of sick people inside the the doors all the time and it's cold and it's hot and it goes back and forth and yeah, everybody gets sick. So never fun, but, uh, you know, uh, glad that you're feeling better now and, uh, uh, here with us today. Um, so yeah, this, uh, this, uh, go around. We're going to be actually talking with uh, a a, um, a community that uh, uh, you know a whole separate community that is on the other side of the world of us. Uh, and we always really like these kind of global reach uh, global reaches that we can do. So uh, we're talking today about workflow orchestration. A lot of people, uh, you know, when they think of workflow orchestration here in the United States. They're commonly thinking of airflow. That's that's the kind of uh, you know incumbent system that a lot of people are using these days. But there is a lot of times where you know uh, there you know there's a lot of newer kind of uh, innovation that's needed. Sometimes there's there's other uh, kind of needs that that uh, are had, particularly around trying to um, kind of or make the ability to interact with these systems a lot more applicable to end users and and bring the interaction uh, capabilities to people that are actually, you know, maybe using the data rather than defining uh, pieces on the data. And so, um, so we're going to get into this project called Apache Dolphin Scheduler. Uh, here today, we have uh, a whole bunch of uh, the, the folks from this project uh, joining us today from China. And uh, I'll start with you picking, picking on you, William. Uh, what time is it over there right now? Just so everybody has a feel for the de- level of dedication you all have to joining us today.
3: Yeah, now, now I think it is one a.m.
0: <laughs> it's one a.m. In, in Beijing. Okay, yeah. So so uh, you know we have me here in the in Chicago time. It's it's actually a pretty good hour for me. It's eleven a.m. Uh, Cole, uh, it's like nine a.m. for you. Uh, one a.m. In, in Beijing time. So uh, and that's pretty much for everybody else here on the call. So William, uh, what what do you do uh, with in, in the project? Uh, are you how are you associated with Dolphin Scheduler?
3: Yeah, actually, I'm one of the PMC of the Dolphin Scheduler, and I also is Apache Software Foundation member. Okay. And uh, I used to work at uh, uh, Teradata, abm <laughs> Lenovo, and so on. I, I I worked for uh, in big data area for uh, for over uh, uh, eighteen years.
0: <laughs> awesome! Wow! Wow! Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I I've been in. Uh software for almost over just, just hitting a decade. So I'm only, I'm, I'm like halfway where you at, but I started in big data. So <laughs> that, that <laughs> I've, I've, I can almost say I have a decade of, of big data experience. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, thanks for, for joining us today. Uh, next, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on you, David, uh, uh, what do you do in the Apache Dolphin Scheduler uh, project? Uh,
4: hello, everyone. I'm David. I am an Apache Dolphin Scheduler PMC Chair. I'm uh, also uh, Apache Incorporated Mentor. I mentor some projects uh, like Linkage, Graph, uh, and some other projects. Uh, I've been uh, working in big data uh every year for more than ten years. Nice. I, I'm also an uh, open source project uh, fan. I love open source culture very much. Yeah, I think I think you're in good you're in
0: good company here, David. Uh we we we're all big fans of open source as well. And so, um, so yeah, so I I, I think uh, um, that's a, a nice background list. You're the actual chair of of Dolphin Scheduler, so you're the top, right? <laughs> Here, you're the, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) um, okay. So going on to the next, uh, Nico Zhang, you're the person that I interact with the most because you do a lot of the community things in Dolphin Scheduler. So what what do you do uh, and and, and give yourself a little introduction?
5: Uh, Okay,
4: hi everyone, I'm Nico. I'm the advocate of the Apache Dolphin Scheduler community. It's been a pleasure to meet Brain uh, it's been an honor to be working with the channel community on this broadcast. I hope you have enjoyed. If you are interested in Dolphin Scheduler, please contact me on Slack. Okay, Amazing. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Nico. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Uh, and then uh, to finally, you know, last but not least, uh, Jay Chung, how, how are you doing? And what do you uh, do with Dolphin Scheduler as well?
1: Jay, are you there? Jay's looking a little uh, frozen. frozen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it looks like it looks like we may have lost <laughs> lost Jay. So hopefully we'll we'll get him back in a second. But all oh Jay, are you there? Can you hear us? Sorry, my network is crash That
5: hub. Yeah. No, no worries. Yeah. I can
0: hear you now. Uh, feel free to yeah, introduce yeah, yeah. yourself.
5: Yeah. Hi, I'm Jay Chang, and I'm also the Apache Dolphin Scheduler PMC. I work for software engineer for almost six years and I have five years in data engineer thing, yes. And also I love the open source project. I everyday spend my, mainly my, my time in the PR review or the issue review, yes. Awesome. And yeah.
0: Awesome, great Jay, and we're going to be hearing uh, a lot more from you later uh, during the demo. So excited to see the demo that you pulled together with Dolphin Scheduler and Trino. So yeah. okay. Well, without further ado, um, let's uh, you know go quickly into uh, I, we Manfred uh, last uh two weeks ago um on the last uh, episode or is it two weeks and it's like three weeks ago oh no we've it's been actually almost a whole month now um so about a month ago now uh manfred did a recap of trino in 2022 um i wanted to kind of hit some of these top level pieces before we get into the meat and potatoes of of this um of this, this week's um, or this uh, episode. And so, um, so recap in 2022, uh, we have a, a blog that we wrote um, that details uh, full feature, you know, all, all of the things that have kind of happened. So, you know, a lot of statistics and kind of high level things that have, have gone on in the community over the last year, um some trending uh, moments that we had so uh we we went out with the leaving facebook posts uh and uh had a really good success with getting some awareness around the project with that so uh you know really kind of pushing uh, all of you folks that are on hacker news to share anytime you find a post that we have that's interesting um and all sorts of other things including you know trino touching the world um you know we we wanted to kind of give a, a sense for you know, kind of our top users and and uh, surprisingly, you know, not or maybe not surprisingly, uh, in third place uh, is, is where China sits uh, with you know, uh, thirty-one thousand uh, users that, that are visiting our site. Uh, this is these are site numbers and, and number of individual IP addresses mm-hmm. that that visit the uh, uh, Trino website. So this kind of gives a sense for the, the size of the community in each of these locations. And so China is definitely one of the the powerhouses of of, of uh, Trino users. Uh, and so this is why I think it's particularly exciting that. Uh, we are growing, um, you know, kind of the associations with different projects that are like, like uh, Dolphin Scheduler that are very popular in, in uh, particularly in a China user base. Um, so, so this is really exciting. In the same way, like we want, you know, this a similar kind of thing. There's some a good chunk of users that are using Dolphin Scheduler today in the U.S., but we want to we want to grow that on both ends. So this has become, you know, kind of a really exciting overlap of of our two projects that we have here. So, um, so definitely check out this, um, this, this uh, um, link here that kind of uh, brings you to the Rabbit Reflex uh, um, URL. And we'll talk about a lot of these features like merge supports that we added this year, uh, JSON functions, uh, the polymorphic table functions. Uh, actually, Cole, you did a, a, a Trino community broadcast a while back now uh, on that. And, and so dive into a lot of details there. Um, obviously the big one fault tolerance execution, that was, a that was a, quite a, I would say a, a pivot point, uh, kind of feature that, that really changes like the, a lot of the use cases that we can now support in Trino. And so, and, and many, many more. So, uh, so definitely if you, you know, are wanting to look at, um, uh, you know, what happened with Trino last year uh, and kind of get excited for all the things that came down, uh, check out that blog. Um, one of the other things I want to quickly highlight, um, Trino Definitive Guide uh, is uh, came out with a second edition. And not only that, but um, second edition uh, in the Chinese translation uh, will be out uh, later this year. I think it's going to be probably June or July. Uh, and there will be a Chinese translation available that uh, anybody who's uh, watching here, we'll, we'll try to basically make it available to anybody who's uh, uh, kind of learning about us through the dolphin scheduler thing. We'll, we'll make that uh, Chinese edition available uh, shortly. Um, and then uh, one final point I wanted to make um, in the Trino here, let me, let me bring over my, uh, um, so if you go to the Trino, um, uh Slack channel. If you join Trino Slack channel, um, we have these these uh, different um, we have these different rooms or different channels, and particularly there's ones that begin with the tag "general" uh, that have a dash and a kind of language uh, pointer. So uh, this this is our general in, uh, uh, room. Basically, anybody who wants to talk to uh, other Trino users that are, that speak the dialect of Japanese. Uh, we also have a, um, uh, let me see, I think, uh, was it Korean one that we just opened up and let me actually just go, uh, open up. Let me see if I can join. What do I, I, this recently just changed and, uh, (laughs) and let's see, there's create. I want to join (laughs) the, there's a manage. I want to see browse channels. There we go. All right. So let me look for all the
1: general channels. I believe we have Chinese, Japanese, Chinese, German, Japanese. and Korean. Are, yep. Are so
0: those are our current ones. If there are, if, if there's a kind of a community of users that speak a di- whole different language, please let us know. Um, you know, if, uh, so currently there's Chinese, Japanese, uh, and I ha- highly recommend anybody who's watching on this that wants to, uh, join to hop onto the Chinese channel. We already have 103 members there. Um, and then there's the German channel and Korean channel. So, um, so we're, we're building these out on a demand basis based on like, what you know, anybody that wants to, but we just wanted to actually showcase that, uh, to make sure that, you know, if you want to, uh, kind of ask, uh, the, the users in this space that maybe speak the local dialect that make things easier for you, uh, th- those are available for you as well. So, uh, so without further ado, before we uh, hop into the content of, uh, of this uh, episode, let's, uh, quickly jump into the, uh, the release that just happened, uh, Cole, do you want to kind of give us some of the high-level features that, that came down the, the pipe in this release?
1: Uh, yeah, so there were some relatively big changes. Um, the release took a little while because of a few different blockers that slowed it down, um, which means that we got a lot more changes in this release than we normally would. Um, yeah. This includes uh, several large performance improvements, Some for highly selective queries is the way Martine summarized it, which I appreciate uh, because you can see like small concurrent queries run on large clusters Mm -hmm. is the actual note uh, written. So performance improvements, Um, tons of performance improvements from reading for Parquet across various connectors. Um, We added the query pass through function to the Cassandra connector so you could now push down entire queries for Cassandra to run natively. Um, which was the topic of that polymorphic Table Function episode we did before. Mm-hmm. Um, an unregistered table procedure in Delta Lake and Iceberg, uh, and also support for writing to the change data feed in Delta Lake. So used to be that the CDF was only automated, but now in case there's something you want to modify or edit or adjust, you can go ahead and do that, nice. um, which is a pretty big deal. And there's been more improvements to that coming down the line in 4.08. I think that shipped with, A couple snags that are being addressed so cool stay tuned for that to be even better come next version um in my opinion definitely not because it was my pr the most exciting change (laughs) was that we added an action to trino contributions um where when pull requests go stale a bot now will comment it'll ping me it'll ping brian it'll ping manfred and the three of us will swoop in and try to get things rolling again so
0: and I started doing that yesterday, actually. So we got tagged starting over the weekend, actually, because I think David merged it over the weekend. Oh, and we got
1: tagged on the the Monday holiday, is what it was. On the Monday holiday, yeah, yeah. yeah. It only it only tags us Monday to Friday. We don't get pinged Oh, on good. Weekends, but it doesn't know <laughs> so, about President's Day. I so there was a huge part.
0: influx of, of of tags that we got on uh, on Monday, and we happened to be on holiday that day. But then I, I went back and I just like, I went through all the notifications yesterday and started reaching out, getting things moving. And we've actually already had like some, some PRs merged uh, that were supposed to be merged, but we're just kind of like, Oh, somebody missed something real fast, you know, or they thought that they were waiting on something, but they actually weren't. Then we had a couple that were like, Hey, this actually got solved by, some, by something else. Let's close this out. So what, what we're, what the Holy grail of what we're trying to get with this uh, this whole like thing is we, we actually did a lot of like backlog sweeping and cleared out a whole bunch of the really old and stale ones uh, and communicated with people directly about that. We didn't do it in an automatic way. Like you see a lot of projects do we, we really actually like went ourselves one by one. Um, and then the, the next part is uh, the next phase of this is to have like, you know, keeping this down from like, you know, the, the 500 to 600, we started with now it's kind of, oh, it's sorry, 700 PRs. Now we're down to like three, 350. So we literally cut that in half. Um, we're trying to get to a point where basically what's left. Well, ideally we'll be looking at somewhere around, you know, 200 to 250 of PRs that will actively be worked on at a time, uh, at least at our current state. And, and basically, you know, anything that's kind of stuck or postponed or anything like that, those will get kind of, you know, closed temporarily. And then eventually over time, you know, you can reopen those whenever there's active work being done. And this just makes, you know, things a lot easier from the maintainer perspective of where where should I be focusing my time and, and energy on right now? Uh, and that will actually improve the performance and how quickly we can get things out um, and rather than things kind of just sitting stale for a long time (laughs) yeah and so so
1: for a trino end user you know the question is like what's the big deal and you know immediately there's not going to be a massive payoff but in the long term this will make trino development a little faster a little more efficient a better experience and i think it will improve trino long term in subtle ways but definite ways so yeah yeah totally i'm excited uh, about that
0: quick quick shout out uh from from manfred uh he's he's uh the third of our Devrel team but he just wanted to say thanks to everyone on the dolphin scheduler team for for joining us so late at night <laughs> so uh again thank <laughs> you again um okay uh let's continue cole I, I i interrupted you with my whole soapbox about how excited i am about stale
1: <laughs> it's a good, it's a good soap i'm excited too brian so yeah. I, I don't mind like <laughs> We could talk about that for an hour if we really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Next fix. uh, There was a fix to Kerberos on the Kudu connector. Um, I looked at it when we got fixed. it, It was surprising to me that this had existed the way it had for a while, where the issue was Kerberos issues like authentication tickets. And then when those tickets expire, it should renew or move on to new tickets. And it wasn't. It would just hold on to the expired tickets and then error out because it wasn't authenticated or validated anymore. Um, so you couldn't run the Kudu connector for more than like 24 hours. And now you hmm. can't. So you don't just need to restart Trino or like restart Kerberos every time you're running the Kudu connector for long running jobs. Like it can just go. Um, which is a massive usability improvement. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure the Kudu connectors are most popular is probably the answer to my question of how this existed yeah
0: i was not, i was just about to say that actually. Not, not
1: a ton of people who were going to run into that but like if that was why you weren't using it it's gone now so you can go yeah. ahead um and then finally i just there were a ton of sophisticated performance improvements we added like six new configuration values so that you can use to fine-tune um trino performance with like remote task split size and minimum task size default task size um which was fun to read like going over it to try to figure out how i wanted to document it because several engineers were discussing like okay like what are what are our arguments for setting these as defaults these as defaults like how does this perform on certain benchmarks what's the yeah. deal is this worth it yeah. um and the answer is well yeah they got there but it also was just interesting to watch the process of how we make trino go that much faster squeeze that much more speed and performance out of this engine so
0: yeah Um, and we've said it a million times like it's always these like these very small small aggregate like changes that aggregate into something much bigger but like those small changes are things that like are very like it feels minuscule but it's something that we obsess over in terms of getting it right as we're going out on those and it's just look at any of the things tagged in with performance or has performance in the title, and you'll you'll see a long debate
1: about how it's done. <laughs> and when you have one 1% change, you know, that's not going to revolutionize the user experience. Yeah. But when you do a one percent change every release, yeah. Or a couple of them every release, 101% changes and suddenly you're twice as fast. So
0: yeah, yep. Exactly. Cool. Well, uh, anything else you wanted to cover on the release before we we hop into the concept?
1: I think that about covers it. So let's get back to...
0: To the concept of the episode. (laughs) All right. Well, um, so I, I think that what we really want to get to the heart of, I mean, before we dive into any specifics, like I think that uh some most people are pretty familiar with workflow orchestration. Um any anybody who is in kind of a big data background uh, has, has probably dealt with Uzi, uh, or if you're not even uh you know from the the Hadoop era time, uh maybe you're you're kind of uh you've more recently played around with something like uh Airflow, or uh more recently there's been Daxter um as these kind of like workflow orchestrators. Um and you know the the basic thing that all of these technologies are are aiming to do um, is that we're we're ultimately trying to uh, kind of basically put these different tasks that happen across uh data engineering in general into uh, somewhat of a unit that that gets executed and gives us the ability to to uh reason about or Essentially, uh, you know, reason about how the execution of ordering. So, you know, if you think about this, this kind of like, in fact, we have a nice little uh, graph here, you know, there's, there's these um, SQL operations that, that happen. And so uh, there's a unit of, of uh, execution that happens within the SQL process, and then it's done. Um, and then you have another SQL process here. This is like maybe the first one, the second one, and then you have the third one. You can then, when when you encompass all of the SQL that happens within each of those like uh, tasks, you can call them um, or jobs. Some people, you know, depending on the the uh, orchestrator, will call them different things. Um, we'll then, you know, uh, encompass these things into small little things. So that's what these little uh, parallelograms are, are representing here in this diagram. And so now that we have these in smaller units, we're now able to actually represent something like the order of operation that needs to happen. So in this particular uh, directed acyclic graph or DAG, which is a very popular term amongst workflow orchestrators, um, Mm -hmm. you can run this first SQL uh, task and then run the second SQL task at the same time. They, They are mutually exclusive. They can run independently. Um, but this third task here actually needs to, is, is dependent upon these first two tasks completing. So this task now in this particular uh, DAG um, needs to wait until both SQL query one and SQL query two are executed. So giving, having a workflow orchestrator uh, gives us the ability to like, instead of having to like manually run things or run a script, that does, you know, some sort of weird check to make sure that, oh, SQL one is done or you have to do some more of all these special things. Like this, this is all actually something that gets managed by a, a uh, workflow orchestrator. It, it basically has this, this, uh, these abstractions called tasks so that you can kind of model the, the order of, of operation and the order of execution uh, for all of these different tasks. So that's, that's at its core how I kind of see workflow orchestration. And these tasks don't have to be SQL. They're very much commonly SQL in a context of Trino, but these can be things like, uh, you know, bash uh, scripts, or these could be Python scripts, or these could be, you know, interfacing with uh, spinning up some Kubernetes cluster. These could be a lot of different things depending on what the workflow orchestrator is capable of, of handling. Um, and so in the context of Trino, you know, if we just think about just what Trino is doing and what, what task we need to uh, essentially orchestrate, um, it's generally going to be thought of, you know, SQL, but then you could also think of like the upstream or downstream mm-hmm. changes of like, you know, fi- prepping the files, making sure there's schemas available and things like that. So, um, so that's kind of my take on, on workflow orchestration. Um, I'll, I'll kind of open this, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't uh, cover everything, but like how, how would uh, William, how would you uh, summarize workflow orchestration? Uh, I'll pick on you first and, and kind of, you know, what's, what's, the, whole, what's the goal here if, if you were to summarize?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think your explanation is very good, <laughs> and uh, I think uh, uh, besides the job uh, job workflow orchestration uh, feature, there is another important feature for workflow orchestration nowadays. Uh, I think the feature is called to orchestrate the resource. For example, you know, mm, uh, you know, there will be a lot of SQL queries. Uh, to to database for example Trino DB, mm-hmm. and uh, there will be a lot of uh, SQL jobs at the same time, and actually the concurrency uh, will not be be for example one thousand or two thousand. Perhaps you, you only uh, you only have a uh, the concurrency of the Trino DB only for example one hundred, or only ten or 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 twenty. Mm-hmm. So how to control the concurrency
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: uh, Mm -hmm. on your lot of uh, SQL jobs. That's uh, one feature, the important feature for the orchestration tools. That means you can control, uh, you can uh, create, we call the uh, connection pool, something like Mm -hmm. that. And you can set the connection pool, for example, only uh, 50 queries can enter into the uh, Trinodb. And Mm -hmm. when the SQL job is uh, over than 50 jobs, and then we will order by the priority of the SQL tasks. Because uh, every task in Oxytrain tools, we will give them a a priority. Then you can control the whole workflow uh, uh, to run in a, 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 a a better environment. Yeah, so so that's another feature, I think.
0: (laughs) So this could, yeah, this kind of gets into, you know, you mentioned priority. And so I remember a lot in the Uzi days, we actually had like different priority queues. And Mm -hmm. if, uh, let's say you had, um, let's say there was like a user priority queue or maybe something that faced end users, you would want Mm -hmm. those to have all of the compute. And then maybe there were batch project, batch operations that were not human facing that would, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of take could take longer and and be delayed. So um, this is you're essentially adding an abstraction that um, enables you to uh, not only kind of uh, be cognizant of what resources are available or not available, but then Mm -hmm. who gets those resources, um, what what either groups of people or individual users are able to, like, let's say, get priority or special treatment, and which ones need to wait? Uh, and prim- primarily, you know, you'll will try to prioritize when a human's waiting for a query, rather than, you know, if if there's a kind of automated task that uh, can run whenever nobody's running anything, those will get lower priority and get bumped in the back of the line um, when 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 needed, right?
3: Yeah, something like that. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, and, and I think it goes even further than that, right? There was another one that I thought of as you were kind of explaining that possibly, you know, there's, there's these also being able to, when you have these things split out into different tasks and does, and split out into all of these different, uh, you know, you can, you could start monitoring and actually get a better sense of the state of, of what's going on in your, in your system. And I think this also gets very much into an important aspect of, knowing, you know, when you're at a high threshold uh, and when you're getting too close to having these problems, right? Um, being able to detect and, and try to, in advance, increase those resources and increase that availability to to anybody who's, who's watching this thing. I think that's yet another kind of uh, element that workflow orchestrators are incorporating more and more nowadays to make it uh, a, 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 a much less stressful uh, That you know, engineers have to carry on them, like thinking, oh my gosh, all of this things could happen. Well, if you set enough kind of monitoring and orchestration and, and or sorry, not orchestration, um, alerting in place and things like that, you'll you'll be able to kind of sleep soundly knowing that okay, this this system's gonna tell me when something's even like close to bad, or at least give me some warnings. And so I'll be able to like uh avoid any kind of like high you know peak or 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 that that kind of hits us all of a sudden uh hopefully i'll be able to kind of pre-detect when this is going to happen and i'll i'll have data collected from previous you know months and years of when our peak times are going to be so that i can prepare and kind of uh you know counter any initial um uh blast of 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 uh, traction, uh, traffic that we'll have. Is that also kind of another area that, that work orchestrators are really kind of starting to improve? Yep.
3: yeah, yeah
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. So this gets into another question then. So we, you know, one of the core use cases that when you think about, uh, you know, needing an orchestrator, um, is, is kind of, you know, a lot of people think about it from the, the data, uh, warehousing perspective, um, Trino kind of doesn't necessarily, you know, Trino connects to data warehouses. Um, we, we have a Redshift connector. We have all of these uh, different, um, uh, like let's uh, Redshift. Uh, there's a Snowflake one coming down the line. And then we also have one of my Teradata as well. And a couple other um, that I'm just not like spacing on right now, but you think about workflow orchestration from like, you know, Hadoop days, all the way, uh, you know, to, to even just before that, you're thinking generally of like a warehouse, right? A kind of like a, a warehouse flow where you're trying to stage multiple pieces and bring them into one location. But nowadays, uh, that that location kind of is shifting between, you know, just putting everything into a warehouse, but the the central kind of copy that people uh, have. From a cost perspective, tends to be in a data lake. Um, does workflow orchestrators also kind of like uh, fit in the same model that they were for for um, for art warehouses as they do for uh, for for data lakes these days?
5: Yep.
0: Uh, I'll I'll still pick on you, William, if you want, or if anybody else has any thoughts on that. Where where do workflow orchestrators fit for for data lakes?
3: Uh, uh, Let let me answer the question first. (laughs) And and I'll answer if you have other ideas. And actually, I think uh, somehow data lake is more like, um, more powerful uh, data warehouse. Because you have to extract data from uh, different data sources, for example, from a uh, uh, workday or Salesforce or something like that, and uh, also you will have a lot of uh, ETL jobs in your data lake. So, uh, in my point of view, uh, there will be a more than, there will be more and more. Uh, uh, SQL or other tasks in in, in, your, uh, uh, in your data lake so uh, if you want to handle the whole uh, 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 ETL things uh, in, to run in the, in the right order you have to, to, to build uh, something workflow execution tools yeah. and uh, I think so. I think uh, in data lake, or in some, uh, we call it a real-time data warehouse. You also mm-hmm. need uh, workflow orchestration. You know, yeah. there's not only, uh, now the nowadays uh, workflow orchestration tools not only support uh, batch job, but they also support uh, streaming job. For, for example, Spark streaming or Flink streaming. Yeah. And you know, from streaming, uh, from one streaming job to the other streaming job, perhaps one streaming job, uh, uh, just uh, uh, load the data to Kafka, and the mm-hmm. other extract data from Kafka. So yeah. they also have some uh, dependencies, but they are not triggered by mm, uh, triggered by the, the job ends. But they they they, they also have a DAG, uh, uh, uh task in order because the, the, the data will first to the will f- first go to the uh, first uh, Flink job and then the other Flink job. So I think the, the, that's Would why you, I think uh, we, we need our, <laughs> our workflow of different tools. Yeah.
0: Would you say it's actually more important in a data lake? Because essentially data lake has a lot more uh, disaggregated technologies that kind of are interropping on the data lake. And so mm-hmm. because you have more variants of tasks, you end up mm-hmm. needing actually a workflow orchestrator that can handle a wide, much wider variety of not just SQL, right? It's not always going to be SQL. Yeah. It's going to be so many different potential things that need to uh, keep that data lake alive and breathing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes, yes.
0: Okay, so, so it's
3: I actually mean, not just yeah, what we do. with I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, it's getting more complicated, right? The whole, the whole data landscape uh, is adding more options, which gives you a lot more flexibility. Uh, in terms of how you do things, you know, there's a lot more, uh, but, but you know, so it's, it's, it's definitely harder these days to kind of have to know what to choose. But, you know, you like if you think about it like a Lego set, I think about it like this mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the data seen back in the 80s was like a very small amount of Legos. You just had, you know, the four block and then like an eight block and you just built mm-hmm. those on top of each other. Now we have mm-hmm. like all sorts of new, new shapes of, of Legos that we have and you have all this uh, opportunity to build it in so many different ways. The, the uh, problem is that, you know, once you have all these things and let's say you want to build it in all these certain ways, making things work like they're one unit is kind of the part that the, the workflow orchestrator is now starting to take responsibility for um, and trying to make it like a, like a, a single uh, stack that that runs seamlessly together. You're essentially being the glue that that you know gets all of these different Lego pieces uh, together. You're the you're the stickiness that that pieces these things and makes them happen and 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 work uh, in a consistent way together. Right? Is that making is that yeah. like uh, going with what what you thinking of it?
3: Yeah, yeah, and and actually um, more and more developers just that uh, the their. I think uh, their jobs on data lake, not only SQL, but also Java, Python, Erlang or Go or something or Spock or something like that. So you have to handle them all in one place. So that's uh, the (laughs) orchestrator.
0: Got it. Well, let's, you know, so we we've we've talked about what workflow orchestrators are in a kind of more generic sense. Let's let's hop right into dolphin scheduler. David, since you're the chair of Apache Dolphin Scheduler, uh-huh. and somebody's going to come up to you on the street and ask you, "Hey, what is it that you're you're working on? Uh, and and what are, what are you all doing with Dolphin Scheduler? How do you explain uh, that to, that to them? If, uh, in a couple sentences." Yeah, Dolphin Scheduler uh, is
4: a modern modern data workflow orchestration tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what, uh, it's, uh, what is uh, different uh, from other solutions to the uh, because the, uh, we provide uh, a powerful user interface. Uh, we dedicated to solving complex uh, dependencies in the data pipeline. And uh, we provide many, many, many types of tasks uh, such as uh, Spark and Flink, uh, Python share, uh um our, we provide the many uh, data source um, uh, such as uh, trino um, presto or other uh, other data source so we uh, wanted to make uh, uh we wanted to make uh, every uh every type of jobs available out of the box uh, mm-hmm. so uh What's so this favorite?
0: isn't. Can I ask you a quick question? So, okay. so when you say out of out of the box, uh, you know, like, and all all these tasks are, you know, these aren't just tasks that are, you know, if you think about like Uzi, for instance, Uzi was very much like only handling uh, jobs that were hand, happening on HDFS. You're you're talking about tasks that could be literally like a, a shell command, uh, or it could be. Uh I, I've seen a couple on your website actually that like that interface with Kubernetes or Terraform and these types of uh tools that do you know CI C D scaffolding and things like that. So this is much bigger than just like big data orchestrator. This is dealing with yeah. a much more generic sense of of uh types of tasks that you can handle. Does, is that correct?
5: Yeah, yeah, correct.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's great. yeah And actually yeah. Uh, what we want is create a, um, a, 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 a development a, a developing platform for the big data developers, and they just can um, uh, edit their SQL or shell or Python or Kubernetes uh, or spark uh, any, co- any big data code on Apache Dolphin scheduler and okay. then they can arrange them uh, uh, into the DAG uh, job and then they can run in the DAG and then then the workflow orchestration will, will do the other things. So okay. that's what we want is to let people uh, e- uh, develop big data program easily.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I, 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 One thing that really sticks out to me is this last line, the powerful DAG visual interface. So I know we've had visual interfaces, but particularly, you know, so, so even Airflow has like a visual interface, but you mm-hmm. all are particularly focusing on this drag and drop first notion. Could you dive into why that's so important and what, what use cases you want to enable on drag and drop?
3: yeah um, actually uh, it's a very uh, uh, uh it's a very interesting because uh uh the i think the main user of a dolphin scheduler at first is the data analyst hmm. it's not a data engineer you know mm-hmm. so uh, you know uh, there's uh, many many data analysts they just know SqL and they are no for example, they, they can write SQL uh, on Trino DB or they can write SQL on Spark SQL or Hive or something like that, but they cannot let that SQL run every day in mm-hmm. uh, in some order. So what they need is to to to, to some to is to uh, to to want to some tools to to just they can use to create all uh, uh, workflow with no code. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. So
3: The yeah. first version of Dolphin Scheduler is, is to just, you can drag and drop and then you can write a SQL or Python or something or shell uh, in, in, uh, in, in the, uh, I think it's a text box. And then uh, you can create the, the job and uh, trigger dependency just a drag from one task to the other. Mm-hmm. And then the overflow will run. So gotcha. that's why <laughs> that's why Dolphin is quite different from Airflow or Uzi or Askaban. Gotcha. And uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so so the the goal the the goal kind of the philosophy I should I should say like the kind of core philosophy mm-hmm. is that you're you're still trying to provide the similar APIs that that pre- preceding um, the, the the preceding um, uh, or orchestrators have done in the past so that engineers still have their same tools, yep. but you, you want to take off some of their responsibilities by offering yet another low code or no code type solution that enables them to basically just interact with, Hey, I, I have this, this, Uh, function that let's say a data engineer even wrote and they can reuse Mm -hmm. this same script or this same, you know, kind of modular piece that is very specific to my, my, uh, you know, don't my, my organization or my team, and I'm going to reuse this uh, multiple times. So the data engineer's job starts at, you know, defining that writing the code initially, but then after that's been defined and tested well, Mm -hmm. right. Then you can reuse that as kind of this, this piece that that uh, is is now what an analyst or a BI engineer or any any mm-hmm. person that's you know kind of wanting to facilitate and make the data uh, workflow happen, they can now define that uh, once those initial uh, kind of building blocks are created, and they essentially build that build that uh, workflow themselves and can manage it and do all of the visualizations that they'll be able to do through the through the UI. Is that? Kind of the philosophy and the core uh, driver for uh, Dolphin Scheduler. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, and, and actually, we want more and more people to use big data tools. Not only engineer, but yeah. also data analysts and other people who can can use uh, uh, can use big data uh, 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 quickly. I think <laughs> or more yeah. efficiently.
0: Yeah, I I totally think I totally agree with that. I think I think that is partially what where um, this whole concept of data mesh. um, I'm not sure how Mm -hmm. popular this is in China, but uh, here Mm -hmm. in the states, uh, and uh, we we've been really diving in on this concept, uh, popularized starting from thought thought thought? no not thought spot. I almost said thought spot. Thought works um, which, uh, mm-hmm. was popularized by, uh, Jamak Degani. Um, it's this mm-hmm. kind of idea of, of, uh, data mesh. So, uh, self-service kind of, of, layer that, um, brings back to not just necessarily even analysts, but you, you, think about software engineers that are working in a particular domain of your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're providing mm-hmm. some sort of, uh, services around the project, you know, and all the way from the web interaction that you get with the, the customer all the way down to you know, the backend services that they're doing. And then you know, what we had traditionally done is centralized everything to, uh, to, to you know, some data team, but now mm-hmm. data mesh is a way that we're trying to actually split that out and bring back uh, some of the responsibilities back up to the software engineers, the data analysts again, and mm-hmm. doing a workflow orchestrator in this way, I think is a very kind of complementary story where you're giving that that capability back to uh, end users and giving more self-service capabilities, so that they're also able to kind of have a, a say at the table of how how this data gets set up. And it's not getting rid of data engineers by any means. It's just re nope. it's it's kind of taking off some of those nope. like like uh, those those overlapping tasks that data engineers literally had uh, for for literally I maybe. 15 years now where they have been, you know, constantly centralized and having to take all of these requests from all these different end users and do it for everybody. Right. And so therefore nobody was getting their work done. Um, this is a, a way of, of optimizing that, that workflow and giving everybody else that responsibility back, uh, and that autonomy essentially. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Um, great. Well, um, is there, do, do you want, is, I, I, uh, before we hop on to kind of uh, you know, more details about the, how Dolphin Scheduler works, is there anything in terms of the definition or what Dolphin Scheduler is that you want to cover that we may have missed? Hmm.
3: So I think the, in, in one sentence, uh, Dolphin Scheduler is, uh, it's a disreputed and uh, hmm. uh, workflow um, orchestration tools with powerful DAG visualization re- interface. We right. will just uh, talk about the DAG uh, interface, yep. uh, but actually Dolphin Scheduler is an, ha- has another feature. Uh, we call it the high uh, availability and uh, high performance uh, because okay. we just design with architect with uh, multi-mastering uh, and uh, multi-workers. So uh, the performance is very well and uh, it can just uh, support, I, I, I heard some users uh, use Dolphin scheduler uh, to support more than 2 million tasks in one day. And mm. uh, typical users are more than 1 million tasks in one day. So the performance is, is really good. <laughs> so okay. I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's another a feature of a dolphin scheduler
1: <laughs> yeah you know and, and, okay. what thing i think i think we forgot to ask about dolphin scheduler is, what's that why is it called dolphin who named it oh yeah yeah, no, actually a good point. <laughs> yeah.
3: it's 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 um uh, uh you know uh we love dolphin very much and uh you know dolphin have uh, two brands you know the left brand and the, the red right brand and uh just like uh, Apache dolphin scheduler is uh, have many workers and many masters. So, so uh, dolphin didn't sleep, right? And yeah. he does swim all the time. Sometimes the left, uh, left brain are, 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 uh, is sleeping and sometimes the right uh, brain is sleeping. So uh, Apache dolphin scheduler is something just like a dolphin because it's uh, very smart and they never sleep because it has many
0: muscles. Wow. I, so I really appreciate them. that. I really appreciate that that analogy. Uh, and dolphins are cute, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. A, another good good yeah. aspect of it. But now that you bring in the, the I I actually did not know that about dolphins. And that that is a really great analogy. We, we actually lo- love animal analogies here. In fact, we've started to name a lot of our projects uh, after different animals. Like uh, we have the tardigrade, which were these like microscopic creatures that, you know, never actually never die. They, they regenerate and can, and can basically come back from the dead. Um, and so that was like our, our task that would die. You know, it would basically regenerate and come back. Um, there 's also you know hummingbird it 's our another project that where the hummingbird is these really fast and very quick and and flexible and adaptable, which is now our next query uh, uh, optimization techniques. So I think, like you know, the animal uh, parallels and th- amazing things that we see in nature, modeling those after things that we we're trying to do, kind of in in uh, 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 big data and, and data uh, workflows and systems. It's it's always really fun to make those analogies. So, um, anyways, so uh, I, that's a, that's kind of an aside thing, but very cool. I like that uh, a lot. That uh, that uh, analogy now. Um, so high availability. I think that's not anything that's too foreign for anybody that's uh, you know working with big data. Um, you know, even we have uh, we don't have actually high availability with our coordinator or anything like that. Uh, but we do have uh, now, especially with fault tolerance capabilities, uh, abilities to kind of uh, support some of these fault tolerance capabilities from that. And then for the high availability from like a, a an actual availability perspective you know, there's all these other things that we, we've we done in the community to kind of uh, make that available. So I don't think that that's a foreign concept. It's a very much like thing that we've come to expect on the big data side. So it's great to know that Dolphin Scheduler also uh, uh, follows in that. And there's there's a, a bit of a thing that we're going to cover in a little bit, which is this monitoring metrics uh, stuff down, down further, um, and as well as the uh, kind of r- resource dependency pieces that you were talking about before. So we'll, we'll hop into those uh, downstream. Down um, but I really do like this kind of... Uh, picture that conceptualizes these these big differences of, of you know, um, again, high availability is a huge one. Plugin base is saying, you know, we, we cover not just the things that, you know, older ones used to cover, we cover a lot more. And drag and drop first, I think, are the big differentiators. And then this uh, workflow platform is going to be, you know, I think more standard of what people come to expect with other uh, other workflow things, but it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see the ways in which you've, you've kind of made your platform fit into this user centric, uh, kind of, kind of design. So, um, so yeah, so I think that was a really good overview. Thanks. Thanks a lot for kind of filling us in there. Um, we, we have a, so let's, before we hop on to the next thing, uh, hello, Ashish Stein, uh, thanks for, for joining the broadcast today. Uh, nice seeing you here. And then we have a question, uh, from Mateus, um, so, uh, and I don't know if that's actually your whole first name. Maybe I should say Mateus Dos Anjos. Um, what are the main advantages of using Dolphin Scheduler versus Airflow and or DBT? Um, Mateus, we're, we're going to, uh, in fact, actually, I think that that's down here. Um, let's quickly get to this first question of, uh, does Dolphin Scheduler have a computing engine or a storage layer? Um, because I think that's going to be some, something that, uh, you know, certain orchestrators have these, uh, capabilities sometimes that you can even offload some of the compute onto the orchestrator itself. So I'm just kind of curious to know, um, you know, what, what, what is underneath this, the hood of dolphin scheduler does it have a computing engine engine? Does it store data? Uh, or what does it store? Uh,
5: yeah. I, I, I want to share this first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. Jay. Yeah. Uh, just like the channel do not own the data. Doppler scheduler Mm -hmm. also do not own the data too. It's just the workflow oscillator, And the responsibility of the Doppler scheduler is just trigger and run the workflow. Yeah. Okay. It it must make sure the workflow and the task run on the time as the user set or as a developer set. And the, the second thing I want, the Dolphin Scheduler responsibility is it must to run the test only if the all the conditions are met. So mm. we, we cannot run the single or the, the, the uh, standalone task at least the upstream tasks are all done. And I think the workflow oscillator is also, uh, the important thing is the Tolerance, it means we have the retry and the alert mechanism to tell you so when they get wrong. So, uh, you know, sometimes Doping scheduler even do not calculate the, calculate the task in their own. It will send the request to the com- computer or the database like channel and tell Trino to calculate in the data. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. I, I think so,
0: basically you're saying that there is no storage layer just like Trino, but yeah. it does have a, a very advanced uh, computing engine that kind of makes a lot of these these kind of decisions and uh, for, for running the orchestration. So it's mostly all things in flow and, and in memory uh, uh, kind of, uh, state stateful management. Is that,
5: yeah. Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and so g- getting back to Mateus's question here, uh, I didn't want to keep him waiting for too long. So, you know, if we, if we look at airflow and dbt, I, so I'll, I'll just put in my little spin on like where I see dbt I, dbt, uh, to me is like, uh, a, um, a SQL and now Python template uh, uh, manager manager that also can kind of um, can, can kind of uh, abstract different uh, you know pieces into like kind of these task type things, um, but but DBT has a very specific goal in that you're you're trying to test and va- validate transformations, um, and that is it. And that is like so so I think that like. And and, and when I say that is it, that is a huge piece of like making sure that the data quality is correct and all of these other things. But DBT is not really trying to make sure that, uh, you know, more general things are happening, like, you know, uh, things that are happening in system A then go on uh, happen uh, first and then system B. Uh, kicks in right after system A is done doing its processing. And then system B and C, B and D, you know, uh, will take over once system B is like doing, doing all of that stuff and and looking at the larger scope is not what DBT is trying to do. DBT is very niched in and focused on like, how do we make sure that like this change of data, this, this transformation that happened uh, is uh, you know, happened and is correct. And we, we have tested, we have it documented and we essentially uh, n- make this kind of, essentially it's making those transformations much more atomic. Um, and, and so that is a very tangent, not tangential, but it's like, it's very, I would say different from the goals that Airflow and Dolphin Scheduler. So moving DBT kind of off of, of, of it's kind of in its own uh, camp, I wouldn't say that it's a um, kind of, it's a apples and oranges more comparison. So Airflow though, I think is a much closer one. And I'll, I'll give this one to uh, any of you. I, I know you all answer this question a lot more uh, exclusively on yours. So, you know, most people these days when they're working on a uh, air, or, uh, workflow orchestration are using Apache Airflow, I would say, but there's, there's always trade-offs when it comes to all of these systems. And so we, we covered, I think one of the biggest ones with, with, um, dolphin scheduler, which is, uh, I would, I would kind of summarize as a user centric approach. Um, but, but there's, there's probably more to it and I want to dive, dive right now into that. So, um, anybody want to kind of talk about, you know, where, where the big value add, uh, and it can also include what I just said, the whole, uh, user centric user centricity. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, why don't you all kind of walk us through, you know, if you're on Apache Airflow, what is the motivation for looking into Dolphin Scheduler?
4: I I think the most important point of the uh, workflow orchestration tool is the ability. Uh, but as far as I know, uh, most of the workflow orchestration uh, um, tools uh, don't perform well uh, when the tasks are executed. Uh, uh, concurrently, uh, mm. that's why we reinvented uh, the wheel. Uh, after using Uzi and uh, airflow, uh, we used the uh, decentralized multi uh, work, mas, mas, multi masters and uh, multi workers. We didn't have, uh, mm, mm, we didn't have uh, no mm, no single mm, no no single, bottleneck. no single point of failure. Okay. So, uh, so um, the first, uh, um, the first one, um, uh, Dolphin Scheduler private, a uh, uh, high performance than uh, the Airflow. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we, uh, uh, the Dolphin Scheduler is uh, two times faster uh, than Airflow uh, in some text. And the second uh, uh, point, uh, I think, is uh, easy to use. Uh, I think um, our, our product tools should be very simple and very easy to use. Uh, that's why we uh, we called um, Dolphin scheduler, uh, before we uh, end, uh, before I enter into the Apache incubator, we called the uh, easy scheduler. Uh, we, uh, we wanted to make the, uh, our solution tools more, uh, more easy uh, for uh, new users. Uh, usually, uh, uh, this is a barrier for new, year, uh, for new users. Uh, the last point is the secure uh, ability. Uh, we have made a very good uh, security ability uh, I think uh, we uh, integrated with uh, uh, Trinodb DB uh, very well. We mm-hmm. had uh, we refer the uh, SP uh, SPI machine term um, from uh, Trinodb. so nice. uh, we can integrate with many data data source. Uh, uh, for now, we have uh, we have supported more than uh, twenty tasks. Uh, such uh, such as the share python um, or, uh, or oracle data source uh, we and uh, uh, and the user can uh, and the user also can um, easily uh, to expand their tasks by themselves uh, we provide uh, um, uh we provide the um, plugins um, api so they can very easily to, uh, to use to expand their new tasks very easily.
0: So, so, um, so the the, the takeaways that I've I've I'm hearing is user cent- like that still with that user centricity right, trying to very much uh make it uh bring bringing more people into actually using this. Uh, performance is definitely uh, an element. Now, one of those things about like just, you know, talking about performance or showcasing a benchmark, you know, there's always cases uh, used like case by case basis that the, the thing I always recommend people, even when I'm talking about Trino performance versus say spark performance or something, you always just need to try it when it comes to performance. Um, a lot of people want to see benchmarks and you could the, the bad part about benchmarks is you can always flex a benchmark. To to basically do whatever you needed to do. Um, what's best to do for anybody who's actually curious about performance for their workloads is to actually try it out. And so um, so that's that's always one of those things. But I you know it sounds like the way that you're you're trying to tackle this this performance issue is really by uh, taking it from a scalability and and kind of uh, almost MPP type, type, uh, method that we even use on the, um, you know, trying to basically make it as parallelizable as possible, as well as, uh, uh, fault tolerance. Right. So, um, so that's, that's something that, uh, I mean, we, we've done in the Trino community that's, that's worked well. So I am very interested to see, you know, how the Trino community, as they start to adopt this, uh, you know, and start to, tr- to trial uh, dolphin scheduler, um, how, how, um, how successful that they, they are and 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 what performance they are seeing that's always like a really good indicator to hear from the uh, the community um, one other thing that I'd like to point out uh, that I noticed uh, was when I look when you go to the um, Apache dolphin scheduler uh, uh, github you can go see just you know how how um, uh, the the uh, where the stars are they're just about short of, of 10,000 uh, s- uh, stars on GitHub and I know that's a, a, a somewhat of a vanity metric but it is always really good to kind of uh, see to what level people are focusing or, or, or tracking and this is actually you know currently above where where even Trino uh, GitHub stars are so it is a very popular project uh, to say the least and uh, when did uh, Dolphin scheduler actually um, uh, kind of like, what's the first commit here on Dolphin Scheduler? If we, let me see if we can, uh, if I can even go back to that, or if you have a tag that does that. What's, what was the very first release? We have any of that? Let's see what the one, 1.0, 2019. So you all have been around maybe, and maybe this there was a, a slightly earlier commit than this, but the earliest version that you have posted out here is like 2019. So, yeah. Uh, that that's, uh, where are we at today we're, we're getting, we're pretty close to this March, March value. So we're about four, you're about four years in and you're at 9.8 K stars. So that's a, that's a really good, uh, trajectory and growth model. So that's, there's a lot to be said about, there are people that are very interested in this. There's a large community. Um, I imagine it is largely, you know, do, do you, would you say a good chunk of it is in China or is it pretty distri- well distributed across the internationally?
3: Actually, um, many users are in Asia. For example, China, Singapore, okay. uh, Japan, and uh, something like that. And some users are are in Europe, uh, UK, yeah. and uh, Germany. And uh, now we just have a very small user in, in United States. <laughs> so yeah. that's we we. Just, yeah want more people to know Dolphin Scandella.
0: <laughs> but I feel like that's that's interesting, right? It's interesting from a, a U.S. perspective that this hasn't taken off probably because there just hasn't been uh, a marketing effort yet in the United States. And this is you all starting it now. And so that's why I think it's always interesting to, to check out uh you know, kind of projects that traditionally haven't been uh, pushed into a particular area, particularly the U- The U.S. in this case, and mm-hmm. but have had success in in many other uh, kind of geographical regions and, and countries in mm-hmm. those regions. Because um, it sounds like you all are are. are well on your way to get to gaining a lot of adoption across particularly Asia Pacific, but then even, uh, a couple other, uh, areas outside of that. So, you know, for those of us that are in the U S that have only been hearing about airflow and Daxter and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, maybe even prefect, um, you know, that's, that's been the primary through that we've been kind of, uh, uh, getting put in, in front of us. But now I think like having, um, you know, so so you're like, what's what's the other one? Why should I look into this? Well, if you look at the success that Dolphin Schedulers had in other um, in other communities outside of the U.S., uh, it's kind of very telling mm-hmm. that this is a an exciting system uh, and and it, it's, it's something interesting to to take a look at. So. Uh, I really hope to see that, you know, as, as kind of people start using it, um, you know, that it'll be a good uh, indication very quickly, you know, what what people in the U.S. actually are, are looking for and maybe some uh, more of the uh, understandings around this. So um, what's really exciting today is that if you do want to play around with it and just get your feet wet, uh, the demo that we have today was added to our getting started repository um, by Jay here. So uh, we're going to cover that in a second. But, you know. Uh, getting back to Mateus's question about you know airflow versus this, um, it sounds like the if if you're wanting to get your uh, users a little more involved and take some of the pressure off of your your data engineering team, that's a very good motivation. Um, also, that you know uh, Dolphin Scheduler really has this uh, performance in mind, and so uh, whether that will specific, what that will translate to specifically to your workload will will of course always depend. But uh, what, what I think is, is really good to kind of like uh, try to jump in and, and figure out, you know, is, is the performance good for us? Um, obviously, the user uh, 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 applicability and low code kind of capabilities are, are very much there. And I think that's something that's interesting enough to me uh, to kind of make a more self-service platform, especially if that's what you're going for. Um, and it's becoming much more popular of an, of a notion in, in the U S as well. So, so that, that gets me really excited about Dolphin scheduler myself. Um, and all the, all the things that you mentioned too, David, like a very, very great, uh, you know, kind of the engineering rigor that goes into building these, these systems out, uh, is, is nothing to be overlooked. Um, great. A- anything that I missed, um, and kind of at, piling on there.
3: Uh, I, I can give you an example and uh, for um, for who will use dolphin scheduler instead of airflow <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: actually uh, I use uh, I, I use airflow before uh, and uh, I have a more than 30 uh, uh, 30,000 tasks and I found that uh, if at that time, I, I, when I was using Airflow, I, I, I found that it, the performance is not very good. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually more than, I think, 20,000 20, tasks. Mm-hmm. So I have to divide my Airflow uh, cluster into many small Airflow clusters.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I have a, more than a, a 10 instances of Airflow. So yeah. that means I have to divide a whole picture of a DAG into many pieces. That, uh, at that time I, I didn't know Dolphin scheduler. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: And then, and then I found that Dolphin scheduler can support very good, uh, many, m- many uh, can so- support- multi Numbers of tasks. Yeah. So that's why we just uh, migrate Airflow to, to Dolphin scheduler. So yeah. I think if, uh, if the user's uh, task is more than uh, 10,000 tasks, I think you, you can try Apache Dolphin scheduler. Because Great. it's more easily to, to handle the all the things. <laughs>
0: that makes sense. Yeah. And so it's not even just this, this user capability or the uh, the you know the kind of just performance on each individual task. You're saying that yeah. it's the aggregation and, and starting to kind of scale up, especially the fact that it sounds like Dolphin Scheduler is really trying to push the limits of what gets supported. So as you support more, more types of tasks, right, out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make that available to more people, there's, people are going to want to use the system more naturally and they're going to want to uh, ultimately yeah. tax, tax it out, right? And so yeah. having that ability to not just scale for a data-centric uh, type of use case, but also to scale out for maybe even, maybe software engineers could, could use uh, Dolphin Scheduler for uh, some of their, you know, integrating some of their builds uh, or testing or capabilities or things like that, right? Like there, there's more than, it sounds like Dolphin Scheduler could be a much more generalized workflow orchestra, or, orchestrator. And when you start to tap into those, Uh, type of use cases where it's not just about data it could even be more about software iteration and things like that. Um, You, you might, you you would definitely want to have something that can handle, you know, that, that type of uh, um, scale scaling out and, and being able to to deal with uh, larger workloads like that. So makes sense. Um, Okay. Let's one last kind of thing I want to dive into on, on dolphin scheduler um, is particularly this one that we were talking about where, you know, Anytime you're doing an orchestrator, right? Like you're the orchestrator itself um, is is you know it's great when everything's are going well and it's enforcing that this runs when this runs and then that will run after these things runs. But then something will inevitably fail along the way, Um, and I think it's really important, almost as if not more important, how uh, an orchestrator deals with failure than how it's dealing with the uh, you know good flowing operation, and so uh, I kind of wanted to just dive in. You know, how does Dolphin Scheduler deal with failures? Like, what are the abstractions that you all include uh, when when things go wrong in uh, in these subsystems that it's uh, it's monitoring?
3: Jay or David or do you have uh, any other, other ideas? Mm. Okay, I, I I I can I can answer this question. <laughs> sure. Actually, um, mm, um, you know, Dolphin scheduler has uh, many masters and many workers, and uh, when uh, one of them are failed, for example, uh, workers are failed or masters are failed, mm. and uh, then the other um, uh, we will rebalance the whole jobs and uh, rebuild the, the environment uh, in in the fa- uh, for the failure walker or for, for the failure masters. So uh, theoretically, uh, uh, Dolphin Scheduler can 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 I think can restore itself. <laughs> you needn't to do anything and the whole cluster will will walk walk well and uh, if uh, if you you, if if some fun to error happen for example uh, there will be no any any uh, there will be no any uh, there there will be no uh, if there are no uh, uh, monsters alive or no workers alive then there will be send an alarm by email or by some uh, Alarm API to you. Okay. So uh, that's uh, uh, Doppler scatter itse- uh, itself. And sometimes if your, your job is failed, for example, uh, ETL job or passing job or Spark job failed, and uh, we have uh, several kinds of uh, solutions. The, the, the first solution is just a retry. In each task, we have uh, retry times, and uh, you can set the retry times. For example, you are using Hive. You, you know, Hive sometimes you, you cannot, you cannot uh, select something uh, very successfully because yeah. of. The, uh, the otherwise,
0: bonus. it would just indefinitely keep retrying, and then you would just be in a like wasting a bunch of resources and going in circles, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> and you can say you can retry several times, and then the task will fail. And yeah. the second, um, when that uh, when when the task failed, uh, the the whole workflow will fail, and yeah. we have uh, some uh, uh, alarm API, and uh, you can uh, you can uh, you can uh, you can receive your alarm message by email, by phone, or by Slack, or by something like that, and yeah. it's very easy to implement by our SPI. So, uh, so I think that's, uh, that's, that's, the whole story of uh, failure. <laughs>
0: and, and I, I how, and I look, I it looks like there's also in the same way, again, this kind of gets back to this user centricity, but like being, yep. being very like focused on, uh, who gets those, like, it's a very configurable about who gets those message in what case. Um, yep. in terms of like the, you, you have groups of people that should get a, 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 a signal if something is yep. successful or fails or then in, in, in this event. And so uh, there's a lot of knobs and, and, uh, um, and capabilities that are baked into um, Dolphin Scheduler that enable you to essentially um, uh, customize the way those notifications and those alarms work uh, so that the right people are getting notified when the right events happen,
3: if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Yeah, cool. we have different uh, alarm, alarm, and uh, warning groups. Yeah, you can define that. <laughs>
0: yeah, and especially this is even more important when you start, you know, getting into these orchestration workflows that include people that are like not necessarily part of the data engineering teams. You might actually want to include, you know, uh, people who are building these workflows, hey, maybe whoever builds a workflow, those are the people that are supposed to be notified, not the data engineers first. And then if in the event that something more cataclysmic happens that's affecting everybody, those notifications need to go to the data engineers to fix the the platform uh, and what's going on in there. So, so that that that's uh, a very I, I thought that was a very interesting feature here of how how the level of customizability that you have um, to to actually um, implement not only the type of notification um, but who and what uh, in what in what cases you know do, do these groups of people get notified. So it's very cool, very cool. I like that uh, that capability. And then finally on the monitoring aspect, right? If we want to. Uh, understand our system better, right? Know, know thyself uh, is, is a very important piece when it comes to uh, seeing this. And because the workflow orchestrator has so many cross-cutting concerns uh, acro- across your entire platform, it's actually a very valuable tool to be able to monitor and see, you know, it's, a, it's a kind of a good indicator of health of a system when you see that things are, are flowing well and that, you know, because... Ultimately, you could have a lot of metrics on, like you know, your, this, the systems that that uh, that um, the orchestrator is talking to, right? That that uh, Dolphin Scheduler is talking to, but if any of those systems are having problems, a lot of times those issues will will also, you know, bubble up and show up in in the in the monitoring system in Dolphin Scheduler. So this is kind of like having a monitor to be able to look at the holistic health of your pipeline is actually a very like good bird's eye view to kind of see how what is the health of my platform today, you know of, of all of these pipelines that are running through uh, my system. and so um, what 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 goes into the design here to make sure that this is also digestible to you know people that are Na- not necessarily part of the data engineering team, or or is this only for the data engineering team's eyes, right? To to see this this level of detail.
4: Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, uh, we want to make the uh, make the engineers uh, to know what happened uh, to their sit, uh, to their Dolphin scheduler system. <coughs> When you log in, you can find, uh, you can find, uh, you can find the, that the status of the master service or worker service and the database service. Uh, you also can, um, can find the uh, audit log. Uh, you can, uh, see many, uh, many metrics in the, uh, in the Dolphin scheduler, uh. If uh especially uh, if uh, the master server die or worker, uh, worker server uh, crashed or die in the execution, um, you will receive an alarm uh in time. Uh, the alarm can uh consent through by mail, page duty, and uh, many other um, and many other alarm tools, and uh, mm, if the master server die uh, or crash, the other alive uh, master server, we will take over his uh, responsibility. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, And uh, uh, we will take the, his responsibility uh, to make the uh, workflow uh, run, run the normally. So uh, we designed uh, the monitor, uh, monitor model for maintainers mm-hmm. on the Dolphins uh, scheduler uh, maintainers. Got it.
0: Okay. So in this case, it's actually more less focused on trying to make the monitoring available to everybody. This is more trying to make sure that, like, the data engineering team can holistically understand the health of the system and uh, uh, and and just take a, at a bird's eye glance, see what's going on. Is that, does that, uh, what the, I, cause in my mind I was thinking it might be more about giving visibility as well to, you know, anybody who's using it, but it sounds like it's a little more specific to data engineers or or uh, who, whoever's running the platform. Is that correct?
4: Yes, all right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. All
0: right. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's, that pretty much sums up like all the questions that I had around dolphin scheduler. Is there anything else that before we hop onto the demo, um, is there anything else that, that, you know, any of you want to kind of cover that we didn't cover in around dolphin schedule or kind of last minute conclusion on what we should say in terms of that? Cause I think we covered a pretty good amount, so you don't have to say anything here but <laughs> if if there's something uh, we missed i wanted to give you all the opportunity uh, um
3: better when when you are using a data lake i think a dolphin scheduler is a better choice <laughs> yes <laughs> because you have a more more task and a more workflows
0: <laughs> yeah kind of what we had mentioned before right if you're if you're doing dealing with something that interrupts with multiple systems uh i need
3: can you uh, hear you it's, it's my uh, oh it
0: wrong? uh can can you hear me now am i going out no. cole you're here oh am i okay i, I don't know if it poss- possibly uh, could be the thing can you can you hear me now okay i'll i'll get it from cole okay so i might be an audio issue on your end william uh if you can uh cole, if you can uh, um reply to william and let him know it might be his audio um okay so um so yeah so basically uh okay. what i was uh, gonna kind of mention was uh that uh let me see i kind of lost my train of thought there <laughs> give me a second to to get back uh here the
1: issues derailing things is uh
0: yeah it's a
1: trend
0: yeah always always happens um so the basic thing, oh yeah, was getting back to data, data lakes, right? So data lakes uh, are interoperable, like usually deal with interoperable systems. And with that, you're going to have a kind of alphabet soup of, and what I mean by alphabet soup, for those that don't know that, that uh, uh, idiom, is there's a lot of extra uh, small individual services that are gonna be running in this data lake ecosystem. And having a lot more out of the box support Having a lot more uh, capabilities to scale up the amount of, of tasks that you can actually run uh, with this is going to be all the more crucial in the data lake, even over you know, a, a much simpler, you know, smaller data warehouse uh, set of pipelines that was maybe traditional in Hadoop days or, or in the kind of 90s type uh, warehouse workflow, uh, much more today in the data lake house uh, kind of workflow, you're, you're needing a lot more uh, sophisticated or, orchestration. And it sounds like that's kind of where Dolphin Scheduler is trying to aim to, to, to handle those use cases. So great. Um, well, that's really cool sum- summarization, uh, William. Can you hear me now? Are we are we uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, good? Okay. Okay. <laughs> great. Great. Um, so yeah. So uh, that sounds pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm gonna like let's say let's hop over to demo uh, so that we have uh, some time for that and then uh, and then we're gonna run into the PR of the episode. So uh, if without no further ado, to the demo of the episode. Okay. So, uh, Jay, whenever you're ready, uh, oh, it looks like you're, let me see, did I, there it is. I will pull it up here. So, um, so just to give everybody a, a, a bit of a background, um, the, the instructions for how to do this, actually, let me, let me show my screen one more time real fast. Uh, in the show notes here, we have the demo of the episodes. And if you go to the link that's set down here, uh, there's a readme on how to set up all of the uh, the uh, the infrastructure that Jay is about to show you. Um, you you it's all exists in our um, this repository here under Dolphin Scheduler, and you just re- go through the readme and uh, follow the instructions there. Uh, this is basically after you've already started the services, and now off to you, uh, Jay. So you've you've already started the services. Um, sitting on top of Docker and you're showing us the dolphin scheduler uh, user interface. Correct.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Right. Great. And we can see the, this is a dolphin scheduler login page. When we enter the username and password. Oh, that's a wrong password. Sorry.
0: So in, you, the, in, in this one, it's dolphin, the- dolphin scheduler one, two, three that you have on the README here. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, 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 that's correct, okay. that's correct.
0: Cool.
5: And the first page you enter the Dolphin Scheduler was the home page. It will show you the basic statistic information about Dolphin Scheduler, like how many workflow you have and how many tasks uh, today runs and how many workflows today runs and what's the state of the each workflow and task such as we have the, the fail the failure and the success the success, uh, workflow, and when you are using the Dolphin Scheduler, the first thing you should know and remember is what is the concept of the Dolphin Scheduler talent. Uh, in Dolphin Scheduler, there the the concept of user and talent will sometimes will mislead in some users. And the brief difference is the tenant is for the task runs. It, it means the when the task run, the Dolphin uh, scheduler will use the talent to run the task. And the user is only for the web server and web UI. Yeah. Is, would it, would it be fair to say that tenants
0: work like groups kind of like, you know, so if you're in a group. That you want to, um, you know, that that are in a that have a certain set of resources allotted to them. Uh, the tenant is more focused on the resources that, let's say, yes. a group of people have, and
5: then yes, there's yes. A, okay, okay, great, yes. And the tenant is one to one one-to-one relationship into the into your Linux box to run the Dolphin Scheduler worker. So, uh, when you create a new tenant name root and it will create your create a linux user in your linux box. name tenant yeah. N- name root and and there are an other concept to to know about users and tenant uh, users and tenant are one to one relations so mm. we can assign uh, a tenant to single users Uh, In this example, I assign root tenant to uh, user admin, and this means when we log in to Dolphin Scheduler web UI, we can create and manage our workflow by user admin. But when we run the workflow and or we run the task, we will use the the tenant name root to run the task. Yeah. And and that's, that is, I, I want to say the the, the the basic difference, the basic contact, contact when you use the Dolphin Scheduler. Hmm. And let's begin to create a workflow in Dolphin Scheduler. In Dolphin Scheduler, each workflow belongs to project. So when we want to create a workflow, we have to create a project. Uh, in this in this case, we name the new project one because we already have the new projects. So we create a new project one and all the workflow should connect in to this project. And when we go to the project dialogue, we can see there is a there's a simple statistic for this project. And we can see how many tasks uh, task instance it has and how many workflow instance project have. Yes. And if you want to create a workflow, we can go to the workflow definition dialog. Yeah. You can simply click the create workflow button to create a workflow. Just, 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 the scheduler set, we use drop and draw first to create our workflow. You can simply click the workflow and draw to the canvas to create a task. Uh, our task has some must form data form, uh, re- required data form. For example, you can create a name like equal one and you just one run the equal one batch command. And then you can save it into the you can save it and name our workflow, such as we name it like workflow. Uh, and that's it. We, we just create a workflow with one single task. And the workflow name workflow and the task name equal one. It just equal it just run the command equal one and simply print the one in our terminal. When you want to run the workflow, we have to up set the workflow online because we can make sure that all the running workflow is online to uh, to, to make sure the, 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 the security of the, when you develop the workflow, yeah. And we just simply click the start button to start our workflow. And you can see it, it, it already, Create a workflow instance for the workflow definition. And when we go to the workflow instance dialogue, we can see it was the the state of the this task is success. And we can see the log of this task. And it's it just simple print the one in our in our log. Yeah. And that's the simple um, way to so, a, Jay, uh, yeah,
0: Jay, yeah. Jay uh, I, I, we're still only seeing the workflow definition at this point. Or were there, was there another window that you were working off of?
5: Oh uh, no, no. Uh, we, when the workflow run, we will create the workflow instance. Uh, as you can see, Jay, we 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 didn't see. We didn't <laughs> Your see screen is, is freeze. I mean, <laughs>
3: oh yes oh I, I, because
5: i'll see oh, oh okay okay oh uh, oh my god so I, you had you had just
0: created the workflow if you want to start from there oh i i i, I will share my screen now okay Maybe yeah that, yeah 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 no worries and i'll bring i'll bring it back uh let me see so and then no worries like you know this is this is why demos are fun, right is because uh they can uh they can go like this so uh so let me see if uh can you yeah i see your mouse moving yeah. now
5: yeah yeah we, we we can see the 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 instant the instant of waffle is great it, yeah. it's just same as the waffle definition live uh, would
0: you mind uh, going to the workflow definition and show us how you
5: run it uh, one more time yeah, yeah, yeah okay, okay uh before we before we run the workflow we have to set it online yeah and then we can okay. simply click the start button to run our workflow oh great and yeah. that's
0: just to protect you if like you're not want, you don't intend to run a certain workflow that you can put it off into an offline mode to avoid somebody accidentally starting it
5: yes yes okay correct. great and then you can see that's Two workflow instant here, and both of them are success. Hmm. Yeah, and we can see. Oh, oh, I know that because when I create the because when I create the workflow instant, it, it will create a new tag for the Chrome.
1: I'm sure everyone can uh, imagine the output of the workflow being yeah, big one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We we can imagine that one. Sure. yeah yeah
5: yeah and okay th- that's a simple way to run the workflow in the dolphin scheduler okay yeah and for the Chino, Chino is the you know channel for for dolphin scheduler is the circle task we have the circle task here so so when we want to use Chino, we, we we have to uh create a, create a data source for channel first okay and if and if you follow the the tutorial we just merged into the getting start chino getting start repository you can you can start chino uh follow the step hmm. and and when you want to connect chino in Dolphin scheduler you have to choose chino data source yeah you you have to fill some uh, required data for data for uh, just like we, we we have to enter the uh maybe the the channel uh task and the IP maybe is the one two one two zero and we can simply run the task to test the uh, oh sorry we can simply run the task test to test the uh, to test whether the oh test whether the uh, data source is available. And because I already created a channel ch- channel report channel data source so so I, I, I just canceled the, the the create process. And and when you and when all sets of your data source you can use it in the in the in the workflow? In the workflow, yes, in mm-hmm. the workflow. Yeah, be, because the topic scheduler was, was just create a new test. So so I have to change uh to to to, to another tag. So so sorry Sure. Like no worries. Yeah, so, so. No
0: worries. <laughs> we'll pull it up. Let's see. Oh so yeah. I, no I'm rush. Gonna... People people can skip forward through this whenever th- uh, this is on YouTube. So no worries. <laughs>
5: Yeah, you are so kind, Brian. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Be, because we already create the create a, create the create the workflow. Oh, oh. Uh, 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 Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, sorry about that. Uh because topic schedule will will create a new tab for it it will more convenient to when you add the multiple workflow. Yeah, yeah okay. we can simple. We can simply try the circle task into the workflow dialogue and we then into to channel. And we select the channel data source and set the uh, data source instant. And sometimes maybe we, we, we just put some, you know,
0: we do select one. <laughs> yeah, put, put select, oh, oh, select, oh,
5: yeah, put some select. Oh, there you go. yeah, put some select to it. Oh, maybe this cannot work. Uh, I can I, I can I can make some. I can copy some from the tutorial. Uh, yeah, this way. perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, here here I can copy. Yeah, it is just uh, select, select some customer table and then we can save the workflow again and set it online again and run it. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's all. And we can uh, we can start the, uh, you, you, you can see that we already, the state of the workflow instance is success and we can query the channel the data source. Perfect, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, very, very cool. That's all. That's all.
0: Yeah, that's great. Awesome. All right. Well, well, thank you very much for that, Jay. I think, you know, uh, it's, it's always, uh, very good like for people to, you know, see, and I, I wanted to, actually, Jay, could you pull that up one more time? Now that I think about it, I wanted to, could you bring up your screen one more time? Cause I also yeah. want to show all the other sources that you all have. So I'll- I think the, the powerful aspect here, um, here, I'll bring this up here. Uh, could you br- open up a, a workflow? Uh, the the workflow definition where it shows all of the potential data sources. Oh, data I mean, source. You're... Yeah, or, we, yeah. There you go. New data or totally, not? Not necessarily uh, data source, but the, the task. what was it? The, the task type. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> the task. Yeah. <laughs> the yes. task. If you the open task. up where the, the task okay, is, if you go to workflow and work then. Flow.
3: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Uh, oh. Really?
0: If you bring that up, I want to just show the uh, the variety of of uh, tasks that you all are uh, uh, ha- capable of doing in the kind of drag and drop there.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would show the tasks.
0: So I think the really powerful thing, you know, if you look at to this left screen right here, this left pane, uh, these are, you know, you have shell here, Java, Python, procedural. Uh, SQL, like, and then, you know, that's the universal ones. If you go and look in cloud, you actually, can you open up the cloud one there? Yeah, yeah, of course. You have ability to, you know, interface with Kubernetes. You have ability to interface with EMR. And so these, these are just kind of the same way that that Trino works, all these different kind of plugins and connectors that you can now uh, set up in a certain way, in a templated way, and then give to end users to drag and drop and pull these things together. Um, I think that user experience is a really big thing, as well as the experience that uh, that William was mentioning before, where it's this, you know, very able to scale to multi-tenant tenancy uh, that makes Dolphin Schedule pre- Dolphin Scheduler pretty interesting, in, in my opinion. So, so that's the kind of power that you can interweave a lot of these uh, these out of the box solutions and capabilities. I don't know. Spin up Kubernetes if you need to somewhere in between there, and then you know query that new task. Like there's a lot of uh, uh, of options here that that become uh, um, capable of your uh, that go outside of what we normally defined or previously defined as a, as an orchestrator. So that's, that's, I think another really cool uh, element of dolphin scheduler that I didn't want to get undersold with this demo of, you know, just showing just Trino (laughs) Um, the, the interweaving of Trino into these other tasks are, are, uh, I think what makes it very powerful. Um, So
3: very, very cool. the machine learning task. <laughs> so it's better yeah, we
5: also oh, yeah. we also introduced the machine learning <laughs> task in the latest <coughs> latest version. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. So SageMaker, if you're doing AWS, uh, PyTorch, yeah. you all have Ray in there by chance, or is Ray coming anytime soon? I know, I know a lot of our our uh, Trino users use Ray.
3: Yeah, we, we we will have a meetup with Ray. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Next month, and we will have that task. Awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I mean, this, this gets right into like the crux of, of what a lot of people are trying to do with Trino nowadays as well, machine learning and uh, AI and ML tasks, right? So uh, very good point, William, to bring up there. And thanks for showing that, Jay. Um, so yeah, and, 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 so- uh, you
3: can you can create, uh, so, sorry to interrupt Jay, you, Jay, you can just uh, uh, show how to create a dependency between two tasks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's just yeah. just to show what that looks like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you two tasks, you from Echo to Trino, you can learn how to create a dependency between Echo okay, one okay. and then Trino. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got it. I got it. But I have to uh, set it up, set it down low. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> ah, yeah. okay. The 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 setting the difference setting the dependency between the tasks is quite simple. You can just click the upstream task and jog it to the downstream task. And nice. then you release your mouse and the relationship will be created. And nice. when you click the save button, you all the information including the task and the task dependency will be saved in Dolphin Scheduler mental data. And the workflow will be created, yeah.
0: Okay, very cool. And yeah, I think it. very run. simple, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, and and so I, I would say this user interface is very keen. What it what reminds me of is uh, NiFi. If anybody's ever worked with NiFi uh, before, as well, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so uh, it had it had this similar kind of like drag and drop thing, and I thought that's one of the, I think the biggest draws about NiFi. But it wasn't as generalizable and did not have the data focus that uh, that that uh, uh, Dolphin Scheduler has, as well as the also generalized focus to make it more, uh, applicable to, um, software engineers or data analysts outside of your, your team. So this is all really, really cool. I'm, I'm, i i think it's, uh, uh, interesting and I hope that, uh, you know, more people as they come up with questions around Dolphin scheduler, uh, I'll, I'll have all of you, uh, are in the Trino, uh, Slack channel. So you'll be able to answer all, uh, any questions that we get from there. So very, very cool. Thanks for that, that demo, Jay um and uh yeah let's let's uh let me see let me get back into gears with uh our final uh uh section a uh, segment of the show which is the uh, pr whoa I wasn't ready for this hold on a second okay so ready for the, the pr of the episode there it is there it is okay <laughs> so um so while we've been talking about data lakes and all of this other stuff, um, you know, this this is uh, kind of getting away from all the cool stuff we've learned about today with Dolphin Scheduler. Um, I want to talk about, uh, you know, one of these, we were talking about performance uh, releases and, th- and things like that earlier in the, re- the last releases. Um, and one of the uh, first things that Trino has, you know, did in the earlier days was like they, they we, I guess we really put our bets, hedged our bets, and and focused on ORC format uh, a lot in the earlier days of Trino. Um, More recently, there had been a lot of uh, Parquet improvements coming down the line. And what we're starting to see is Parquet is primarily the uh, uh, gaining, I guess, a lot more popularity in data science and and machine learning uh, communities and uh and so that is kind of becoming the more de facto standard outside of uh you know just kind of uh data engineering teams i would say and so uh so we really do want to start putting this this like larger investment into parquet and um i wanted to showcase a couple of these performance improvements uh that that came around uh our specifically our parquet files um Marorka, uh, he's a maintainer and uh also just contributor long long time contributor we had him on i think episode like uh 11 where he he had implemented some some of these performance benefits around dynamic filtering when he worked at uh cubal um he now currently working at starburst with all of us so um so anyways uh he he did a lot of work on the parquet files uh so i i linked multiple of these um these um uh PRs, uh, so it's actually a multiple PR of the episode, but they all are kind of covering very, very similar uh, overlaps of basically just you know uh, rescaled decimals, uh, optimizing the parquet reader, uh, essentially just trying to improve the the read performance out of these. And again, these are one of those like uh, individually, it's a very small uh, kind of uh, change, but then uh, you add in the fact that we've we've covered all of these timestamps across uh, one file format and you do this on multiple times on, on kind of perform, uh, improving the performance, we're really getting to the point now where there's not much as much of a distinction uh, between the orc performance that there was of the parquet performance. Um, and so that's been really something we've been intentional about, just due to the fact that parquet is really uh, a very central uh File, open file format that people are using around machine learning and, and data science. So we want to make sure that that is a uh, very fast
1: uh, uh, standpoint. Yeah. And, and this has been, this has been happening every release. I think it's probably the most common release note I've had in the last four months has been. Make Parquet better. Parquet performance <laughs> in some variety. It's yeah. every time it's, it's Raunach like just making Parquet better adding like new configuration options, yeah. adding marginal performance improvements and they have to be piling up. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So at this point, uh, you know, when we look at benchmarks uh, that, that have happened, you know, over, over the time, like there used to be kind of a gap between parquet performance and ORC, and that gap, has been, you know, getting much, much closer. Uh, our org performance has always been top, top tier parquet has gotten better here and there, but then it was just like we, in the last year, it's really gotten, like we've really closed the race there, uh, particularly due to the, the popularity of, of parquet and in these, uh, other workloads. And so, um, so yeah, so definitely if you're a very heavy parquet user, uh, I wanted to point that out and, and get the excitement going on around that. Um, let's see. So, uh, let me pull in uh, everybody here. So basically, uh, in in summary, uh, I wanted to say, you know, Dolphin scheduler has a lot of interesting features, um, you know in, in contrast to previous orchestrators uh, that I think make it very much worth checking out. It's very scalable. Uh, it has a lot more, again, like this kind of user focus that I really enjoy in terms of the user experience that expands outside of just the data engineering team and feeds into this kind of goal that we're trying to uh, achieve in data where it's like self much more self-service, right? Uh, and that, that to me is very exciting to, to see a project like this, you know, finally have a, an orchestrator that, that does have, that, that have those capabilities. So uh, I wanted to quickly thank, you know, all of you for joining me. It's now, I think, what is it, 3 a.m. in China right now?
5: Yeah. Plus yeah. Three
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, so you guys need to go, go get some sleep. Uh, anything that, you know, so, so where, where do people go if they want to learn about Dolphin Scheduler and about what you all are doing, what the latest features are?
3: Uh, I think uh, right now is we call the uh, ops, you, you know, data ops. <laughs> okay. Then we just do some uh, features of uh, data ops, uh, 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 Dolphin Scheduler. Okay. And uh, then everybody can use Dolphin Scheduler and uh, to use GitHub or GitLab very, very easily by okay. using Dolphin Scheduler and combine them together.
0: <laughs> okay, great. So this is, you know, if you're wanting to check out the website too, uh, it's Dolphin Scheduler, all, all one word there, uh, .apache.org. It's a, it is an Apache uh, uh, project. Uh, you can get to start feeling this. And I think now this is 40 plus types. You guys got to fix your website. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, and I don't know if it was Trino the 40th, <laughs> maybe, uh, but anyways, uh, maybe. so, and, and yeah, we should get a, we should get a Trino uh, logo in here. I didn't know if I saw the Trino yeah, one course. in here yet, um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, checking out all the different features, high reliability features, all the things that we talked about today, you um, obviously links to their GitHub uh, that, that uh, you know, will give you a lot of uh, ability to check into the code if you're wanting to contribute. Um, and then uh, they also have a Slack channel, much like Trino to, uh, to join in and be a part of that. So all of that is available. Uh, if you go to the community drop down here um, and, and go onto this space, uh, you, can, you can check this out. And I'll add all of those links into the show notes. Um, anything else, any of y'all want to add before we, we hop off for today? And let you all get some sleep. All right. I'll take that as let's get some sleep. So thank you all very much for joining. And uh, we'll see you all in the next uh, Trino Community Broadcast and uh, next month. Thanks. Music for the Bye. show is from the Bye. Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtoff Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.